You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, this morning, uh, I want to uh, challenge us to think about uh, this statement. As we're talking and, and hearing what God wants to uh, share with us today through his word, uh, think about this statement, I am. And then, and then what, what would you fill in the blank with? Okay, so as we're talking about this, um, I want you by the end of the message to be able to to, to be able to hear God say something to you that you're going to be able to make it personal and say, I am. Maybe it's, I am loved. Or maybe it's, I am not alone. Or, I am healed. Or something that God wants you to walk away with, just having that self-affirmation from God this morning to encourage you and to just build you up and to solidify a little bit more about who God says you are. Okay? Can you just take that challenge and, and uh, we'll just think about that. We'll just kind of listen to what God is saying to us throughout the message. So we've been talking about a new year, new you, and this is not a self-help series. This is actually a surrender series, a surrendering to God, letting God do something new in us because uh, we can't do uh, this stuff on our own. We can't help anybody else. We can't fix anybody else. And we can't fix ourselves, but God can change us and transform us and restore us because we were made in his image and uh, because of sin everything got twisted around right messed up and then Jesus came and has provided a path of redemption for each and every one of us not just the forgiveness of sins but the freedom from sins and the freedom and healing from sins effects on our lives because we've all been sinned against right and when we're sinned against, it causes pain, and hurt. And sometimes, especially when we're younger, uh, some people sin against us when we're younger. We don't e- we're not even aware of the fact that that person is just messed up. We, we sometimes will take some of that stuff in, in our interpretation of our world, especially as a younger, at a young age, and we think something's wrong with us. Or we think someone, what they said to us, because it might be a person of authority, uh, and we might assume, wow, that's who I am? Oh, man. And and that stuff sticks with us throughout life until we get older. And if we look back and we revisit that stuff, then we can say, are you kidding me? I'm not a loser. That that. That was just my mom or my dad or my coach or my whatever spouting off. They had their issues. But I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. I am... A winner. Yeah. Feels good. All right. So anyway, the idea is that we want to invite God into, into our inner workings of who we are because that's, that's what freedom is all about. It's being set free from the labels of the past, the hurts of the past, the pain of the past, and actually walking out of that sin. And it's not even just our sin or our failures, but the sin done to us, just walking out of like mud and getting a cleansing and being free from that and actually being who God made us to be. Okay, that's what this is all about. It's freedom, freedom. Not just freedom or forgiveness of our sins, but freedom from them. So last week, um, if you were here, awesome. If you weren't, uh, we, we talked about meditation. And in Hebrew, the word for meditation is uh, it's pronounced haga, haga. And um, we talked about how the, the word of God 
if we meditate on the Word of God, if we speak the Word of God, if we thank the Word of God, and we begin to do the Word of God, it actually leads to our prosperity and success in all areas of life. And we had a, a passage of Scripture that I wanted you to uh, memorize, meditate on, mutter. So one of the definitions of meditation is to mutter to oneself. So how many of you are used to muttering to yourself? <laughs> we're always muttering stuff, you know. Most of the time it's not good or positive because usually when we're muttering, we're upset about something or we're worried about something or, you know, we're nervous about something. And blah, 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 blah. But the God, God tells us to mutter the Word of God. He tells us that's what meditation really is. It's not just silence and, and deep thinking. It's actually to speak under one's breath and to keep repeating it. Okay, so God wants you to mutter his word. And all of that to say, I forgot to even read last week's memory verse. So we're going to start where we left off, okay? Um, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. All right, so this is the passage that I was asking everyone to think about. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So I want to stop there for a second. And uh, this is just a general statement of when you walk out of the sin-conscious lifestyle, when you decide, I'm not going to just embrace sin, I'm not going to just live sin, I'm going to try to live my life God's way. You come out of the seat of mockers, out of the way of sinners, which just means the, the path of sin, and how many of you know that sometimes we sin and we're, we're not even aware of it? And then sometimes we sin and we know exactly what we're doing, right? There's some intentional rebellion at times. There's temptations and we, and we just, we embrace the temptation. But there's other times later in life we look back and say, I didn't even know what I was doing was wrong and it was hurting people and I wasn't even aware of it. Have you ever had that where you just, you just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's, that didn't work very well. Um, and, and so in the Bible, it says, as you begin to walk out of sin, and God empowers you to do that, it says you're going to be blessed, and this is what happens. Instead of living in a sin-filled world and a lifestyle, it says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, delighting in the word of God, okay? Whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Everybody say day and night. So day and night does not mean twice, twice in a 24-hour period. It doesn't mean sometime when the sun is up and sometimes when the sun is down. It actually means it's your lifestyle. You're doing this all the time. You're just constantly meditating on God's goodness, on God's word, on his truth. It's not like, check, I did it today. Okay, and I'll wait till the sun goes down. Then I'll read another verse. I'll check that box off. No, no, it's the person who is living, muttering the word of God throughout their day, throughout their nights. It's just, it's just a lifestyle, what you're filling your internal dialogue with, your internal self-talk is changing from, oh, I'm no good, or, oh, I, I hope this works out, oh, I, I'm, I'm afraid of this, or, oh, nothing's going my way, that self-talk, to changing that to, oh, God's for me, God's with me, God's going to lead me, he's got my back, whatever the promise that you're, you're meditating on, you know, it's changing your internal dialogue. The Bible says if you do that and you meditate on his law day and night, that person, you, will be like a tree planted by streams of water 
which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That sounds pretty awesome. Whatever you do prospers. The, one of the greatest keys to successful um, freedom living, to successful Christian faith living, uh, one of the greatest keys to life is this idea of what are you saying to yourself all day long. If you can switch it from the past and from the, the insecurities and the fears and the pressures of this world and all the different distractions, if you can switch your internal talk from that to what God is saying and you make that a lifestyle, you make that a practice, that is the greatest, one of the greatest changes you could ever make in your life and the Bible says it will lead you to success and prosperity. Whatever you do will prosper. This is an absolute key to life because we're always talking to ourselves. Um, now, you guys know that I'm, I'm a coach too. So I actually talk about this kind of stuff a lot with my athletes because when I was an athlete, and uh, once in a while I still think I am, there's this idea in your head where you hit limits. And for my sport in particular, running, cross-country, track, um, but also, you know, in track, there's other events like pole vault and high jump and long jump, and there's pressure on athletes all the time. And what athletes feel a lot of the time is doubt. I don't think I can go any farther. I don't think I can push it any harder. I don't think I can keep this up. I think that guy's going to beat me. I don't know if I can make the shot. And there's always, always a struggle, an internal dialogue going on. And I try to teach my athletes this too because this works in every area of life, that you got to, first of all, you got to believe in yourself. And you got to get rid of the doubts because those aren't helping you at all. And so I, I, I spend a lot of time talking to, to my athletes about what's going on on the inside. What are you saying to yourself? And I actually, I actually ask them point blank, what, what were you thinking to yourself? What were you saying to yourself during the race? And, and, this is, and then I teach them, this is what I learned. This is how I started talking to myself. This is what I say. This is what you should be saying. When you're feeling hurt and you're feeling pain and, and there's a runner right next to you, this is what you say to yourself. You say, I've worked harder than this one. I deserve this more. I'm going to push through. I ran up the sand dunes and up, you know, I, I ran around Mackinac Island this summer at cross country camp. I got this. And so it's all like reinforcing of the positive. You know what I'm saying? But God says we do that too in life. We're always talking to ourselves. We're always muttering stuff. And a great key to success is Haggah. It's tapping into the truth, the higher truth of God's word and applying that to your heart, to your life, and it encourages you and it motivates you and it helps you to make the right decisions instead of decisions based on feeling unqualified or feeling afraid. Or feeling like, you know, you, you can't do it. And it changes your life. So we're going to talk about that today a little bit more. About how to mutter some good things to ourselves. Okay? You all right with that? And at the end, I want you to be able to hear what God is saying for you. Maybe it's just one simple thing. I am. And, and whatever you've been saying here, if it isn't, if it isn't in the Bible... If it says, I, you know, if you've been saying to yourself, I am, you know, 
uh, what, whatever. I am uh, unloved by people. I am not funny. I am, you know, I, I can't do this or I can't do that. Then we want to replace that with something that God's saying is true of you today, okay? I am loved. I am, I am not alone. And I was thinking about Psalm uh, 19. I was reading this this morning. It says of the Bible, the law of the Lord is perfect, perfect, reviving the soul, revives the soul. The soul is your, like how you feel, what you think, um, what, what kind of, you know, stirs in you throughout your day, and that's the stuff of like life, right, the soul. How is your soul doing? Well, the word says of itself, it revives your soul. Okay, so as you are inputting and meditating on the word of God and you're muttering it, it actually revives you. It encourages you. It's like in our sport when we're running, and so many times when I was running a race and I would see my dad, who who was my coach, cheering for me and he's motivating me and he's encouraging me to pass somebody or other family members or other teammates. You know, that's what we would do all the time. And it was, it just like gave me a fresh, you know, inspiration, revived me in the midst of that struggle. And, and that's what the word of God does to you as you feed on it. It revives you. It encourages you. Reminds you, oh, hold on a minute. I'm not alone in this. God's with me. Whoa, I forgot about this promise. That's right. This is going to, this is who I am. And then like Carrie, uh, you know, gets up and talks about victory. Victory isn't something I'm hoping for. Victory is something that I'm trying to learn that I already have, right? And how do you do that? You change the way that you're thinking, and, and you feed on that truth. So we got these little truths around us. You know, it's uh, 20 degrees outside. Uh, you know, it's snowing. Um, you, you have a certain number in your bank account. You have a certain uh, level of relationship right now with those around you. You have certain bills to pay. You feel certain things you might have. So these are all little truths, okay? But there's, there's higher truths that are eternal that, as we were singing that one song, we're pulling heaven down. We're pulling heaven down into earth. And whatever isn't in alignment with God's eternal truths for our lives, for our, you know, our relationships, our finances, our bodies, our, our you know, emotions, whatever, we're going to pull that down and let the little truths get aligned with the bigger truths. Does that make sense to you? And, but we don't do that uh, by pity party, you know, having a pity party uh, or getting stuck. or um, not, We do that by aligning ourselves with purpose with the Word of God, and we, we cultivate that internal dialogue with the truth, and it brings everything else back into alignment. That's why the Bible says if you do this, if you will mutter the word of God day and night, you will be prosperous and successful in everything you do. So whatever we're muttering that's not in alignment with the word of God, honestly, needs to be changed. We got to remember those old, some of you guys my age and so on, the tapes, tape recorders. I was cleaning out my office this week, and (laughs) I found... An old tape recorder that I had in there that I used to, like, talk to myself when I'm driving. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. So I'd, like, click on it, and I'd record my message on this old tape. And, uh, and then I was looking at it, and I found stuff in there 
that's been in there for 13 and 14 years. <laughs> it's funny. I found an envelope with some money from the youth group for like $3.78 or something. I'm like, it had a date on there. I'm like, oh, hey, we should probably put this in the uh, offering now. <laughs> but, um, you know, and we, so I always used to think about change the tape. Like, change the tape. Like, I would take uh, whatever is the tape that's playing, whatever is recorded in here, we just need to take, take that one out. And we need to put a new one in. We just need to change what we're saying to ourselves, okay? And so that's what this is all about. And I want to just give you some encouragement with that. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 18. By the way, what are you saying to yourself right now? What is dominating the internal dialogue, you know, of your life? Uh, Because this morning I was reminded of the parable of the sower and... Jesus was saying, okay, so the sower goes out and he's sowing seed, and the seed represents the word of God. It represents this. And the word of God's meant to be planted in our lives and to grow. And then it produces fruit. And the fruit it produces is the blessings of God, health, wholeness, joy, peace, purpose, um, clarity, all those things. That's what the word of God produces. When the word of God is planted in our heart, it produces life, right? Right? All right, all good. It's all good things. And, and so um, the, the story that Jesus is telling is that the seed is planted, but it lands on different soil. And then he goes on to explain it. And part of the story, he says, some of the seed uh, lands on some thorny soil, and the, 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 the word starts to grow, uh, but then the thorns come up alongside of it, the thorn, thorny uh, you know, weeds or whatever, and it begins to crowd out and choke uh, the good seed that's trying to produce fruit, and it, gets, and it gets choked out. And he says the thorns are these things. It's the, the worries and the pressures of this life and the deceitfulness of chasing after money as if that's going to solve all of our problems. So he says when, when we, because I don't know about you, but I get caught up in that part the most. The worries and the concerns and the pressures of life. There's lots of worries and concerns and pressures that we have. A lot of practical needs, a lot of things that we would like to see changed. Uh, and then we, we start to put a lot of our energy towards something, or we think we need to go get this or earn that. And, and what happens is we begin to get consumed up here, and that becomes our, our focus and what happens is whatever we are muttering, whatever we're focusing on, whatever's dominating our internal attention and our dialogue, if it's, if it's of this world, it's not going to produce any lasting fruit for us or for our soul. But if we are able, in the midst of living life and paying bills and doing things, getting stuff done, in the midst of that, if we're able to have the lion's share, you know, the higher percentage of what we're thinking about and dwelling on and muttering to ourselves, the truth of God's word, then you will see a difference in the quality of your life. You'll see more joy, more peace, less stress, less worry, uh, and you'll begin to grow, and you'll, you'll, you'll just be way farther along. That's what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be as practical as I can. So what are you um, saying to yourself lately? What are you focused on lately? What are you muttering to yourself lately? Because this right here is, is a key to experiencing um, freedom 
that God has for you. And I want to explain it to you on how Jesus explains it. So he said in Matthew uh, chapter, uh, this is not in your notes, Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. He said, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. So let's draw a picture. Here's the mouth. And uh, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. So let me just draw a picture here. This is what Jesus says. I'm just trying to... All right. So what comes out of our mouth comes from our heart. And um, it shows us what's going on in our soul. So whatever you're, you're muttering to yourself... Okay, it's coming from something in your heart and something in our heart. There's all kinds of things that could be in our heart. There could be something in our heart where we might have hurt or pain in our heart. And so um, if we do have some hurt in our, in our, in our heart over here, then there's going to be some words that will come out of our mouth. And maybe, that, maybe they're not heard by other people, but they're heard by you. You know, their, their thoughts and their, their mutterings. That might come out at certain times. Uh, there could be, you know, something in your heart where in the past you felt rejected. And, and so, so there's, there's a hurt or a, a rejection in your heart. And then there's some mutterings that will come out of that. Um, the, this is just what Jesus said, right? I'm just telling you, this is what Jesus said. Things that come out of your mouth are coming from your heart. This, these are the issues of life right here. So what I'm telling you is it's really not about what we're muttering. But what we're muttering helps us see what's going on in our heart. And if we want to change our muttering, we actually need to change our heart. And so what happens is things that get into our heart, they get in there from some, some source that comes in, and they come into us through an experience, or and it could be good things too, but there's an input that comes in, and there's something, and I'm not sure how to explain this other than to say this. There's, there's something where we have this filter, and if we let it pass our filter, it gets into our heart. Let me give you an example, because we all know how to, how to be offended. <laughs> okay, so we have something that happens, and there's an instant where we have a choice to filter what someone just said or what someone just did or what we just uh, found out about, and, and we either let that come in and lodge in our heart, or we reject the rejection, and we say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to let that bother me, and it doesn't get into our heart. If it gets past our filter because we're tired, or because we're, we're, we're feeling down, or because um, we just haven't learned how to reject rejection yet, it gets past our filter, it goes right into here. And now we're hurt, we're offended. We're offended against that person. And now that hurt is going to start coming out in some mutterings. And the longer that's there, the stronger these words get because this thing does never, never digest. The heart does not digest pain. Never digests it. In fact, just the opposite. Jesus tells us, just the opposite happens. It grows. It grows. It is a seed. It's a seed. And that's why Jesus, for instance, in this example of offense, which we all can relate to, we all struggle with that. 
Jesus says, within 24 hours, before the sun goes down, deal with it. Forgive. Let it go. Get rid of it. Because if you don't, that thing starts to grow roots. And then that thing starts to, you know, bear fruit. And it's bad fruit, right? And it comes out, and it's nasty, and it's hurtful. And now you become the offender. And now you are starting to hurt people, and you're starting to say things, and there's toxic stuff coming out of you. So Jesus says, you guys agree with this? He says what's coming out of our mouth comes from our heart. And so if we want to change this, instead of letting pain come into us, not necessarily through our mouth, but through other people's mouths a lot of times, through experiences of life, uh, through different thoughts that we have, beliefs that we have. So we do have a brain up here that has a lot to do with this stuff too, right? I don't know what the brain looks like, something like that, whatever. And, uh, and so we got some thoughts up here, you know. And, and so the devil loves to play around with this right here. Right? He loves to give us all kinds of crazy ideas and thoughts, you know. And so if we let that get past our filter, and we do have a filter here. Uh, science tells us we have a filter, but I don't remember what it's called. But we do have a filter, and we, we do make decisions. And if we agree with what we hear, or if we agree with what we think, whatever the thought is, then uh, the science tells us that, that there actually is little, little wires in here, little synapses, and they actually, they actually become reality. Your brain will, when it agrees with something, it actually makes connections in your brain. When you change your mind, it actually breaks those thoughts apart. It's physical. It's not just these little bubbles up here. And, and what that does is it begins to program us because we agreed to it. We made the connections. We say, yes, from now on, I'm not going to like that person because they hurt me. And now it's in our heart. It's in our thoughts. It's going to come out of our mouth. So here's, the, here's what the Bible says. This is what God tells us to do. The Bible tells us change Change your mind, and it says, you know, let your heart be changed too. So how do we do that? We do that by taking in the Word of God and muttering and letting this change our mind, and as we act it out, it changes our heart. Okay, so for instance, the Bible will say this, you are forgiven, therefore you must forgive. Jesus said, you must forgive. And he tells all kinds of, you know, stories about that. And, and so we have this brain here, and we hear this, and he tells the story. And he says, you are forgiven, and you must forgive your brothers and your sisters. So we have this brain, and the brain has to decide, am I going to listen to what I want, or am I going to listen to my creator, okay, who has the higher wisdom and bigger truth. So we listen to him. We say, okay. I don't like it. I don't even agree with it. But I'm going to do what God says because I believe he's smarter than I am and his ways are better than my ways. And he loves me and he's for me and he's not telling me something that's going to hurt me. He's telling me something that will make me better, right? So we believe it in our brain and then we dig down into our heart and we say, heart, we are going to forgive. And we release that pain. We forgive from our heart as Jesus told us. He says, you must forgive from your heart. Because you have been forgiven. The pain goes away, okay? Because we took God's word, we put it into our heart, we acted on it, and it changes, changes our mutterings. I'm forgiven, I can forgive. And when we get good at that, then we, we are harder to offend. 
because the truth is growing stronger and stronger in us. Does that make sense? All right, so that's what this is all about, is about freedom and God's word. And uh, writing that, the Bible says we can write his word on our hearts. We can actually have him change our hearts and our minds through his word. So I want to just walk through, just for, for fun, some examples. I think some of these are in your notes. And I, I want to just spend a few minutes with you on how I do this, just in a real practical way. And I will just do a couple of examples. I got like six different ones in there. I don't think we'll get through them all, but let's just do a couple of them, okay? So example number one, God says you are forgiven. That's what God says in his word. There's all kinds of scriptures that talk about that. However, you might feel in here, you might feel guilt or shame because you don't really believe that you are forgiven. So in your soul or in your heart, you may feel right now today, there might be people here that are struggling with shame, regret, guilt because of mistakes you've made, okay? But God says you're forgiven. So how do you get set free from shame and guilt and regret? Well, you mutter the truth about who you really are. And at some point in time, you've got to decide, am I going to believe these verses that I'm muttering to myself? And if I believe them, it's going to start to change my heart. So I just gave you a couple of examples, okay? Verse, uh, the first verse there, Matthew 3.17, God is speaking from heaven. Jesus is being baptized. He comes up out of the waters, and God speaks from heaven. And he says this, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now this, this verse helped change my life, believe it or not. God's talking out loud about Jesus, who just came up out of the waters of baptism. He says, this is my son, whom I love, and I, whom I'm well pleased and then I started to connect the dots. Wait a minute. When we place our faith in Christ, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And it's no longer me, it's no longer my identity, but now God sees Christ in me. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, if God is saying that about Jesus, and now when he looks at me, he sees Jesus, he's saying that about me. Look at this, guys. This is my son, whom I love. And this was the big one for me. Whom I am well pleased. With whom I am well pleased. I'm like, God, you're pleased with me? Wow. That's amazing. So it took some time to mutter this truth to me. Because at first, maybe some of you are doing this right now. Maybe you're experiencing this right now. At first, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's just, that's just a nice little religious thought. You know, and so I kept trying to get it in. Wait a minute, no, God is pleased with me because he really isn't seeing my sin anymore. My sin really is forgiven. So I memorized like four or five things that God has done to my sin to help me. I memorized these. Number one, I found a verse that said, um, my sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. So I would think about that. As far as the east is from the west, there is, that's, that's, infinite. There is no meeting between the east and the west. They just go on forever. 
So I, I was thinking about that. My sins are so far apart that they're gone. There's another verse I found that said, uh, he buries my sin on the ocean floor. On the ocean floor. It's gone. It is buried. My sins have been washed as white as snow. Um, what, there's another one. I don't know. What's the other one? I'm forgiven. Oh, and God has forgotten my sin. He's actually forgotten. There's a verse that says God has forgotten. He will remember our sins no more. So I started thinking about that. Okay, God has forgiven me. He's forgotten. He's buried. He's removed. He's washed. He sees Christ in me, and he loves me, and he's pleased with me because I am no longer me and my past and all my failures, but he sees Christ in me. And all of a sudden, you keep thinking about that kind of stuff. You keep muttering that kind of stuff, and you begin to believe it. Do you know, if you say something long enough to yourself, you'll actually believe it? So let's stop lying to ourselves and believing that. Let's start speaking God's truth and believe that, and you can change your mind. And you might be fighting me right now on some of this. That just means you've got to think about this a little bit longer. It doesn't just happen. You have to retrain your brain. You have to mutter it, talk about it. Thank you, God. I am forgiven. So Romans 8, 1 says, there is now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does that say that you never sinned? No. Does it say that you never made mistakes? No. But it's saying there's no more condemnation. What you have done in the past was wrong. What you did this last week, yeah, it was wrong. Yeah, you failed. Yes, of course. But the Bible says, but Jesus has paid for your sin. There is no condemnation. There is no guilt no shame that God wants you to live with anymore. Woo! A lot of us, honestly, are walking around with, uh, with real heavy, heavy shame and guilt um, because we know we screwed up. But you have to get past that and understand that Christ has redeemed you and forgiven you and there is no more shame or guilt that are supposed to be upon you. Because when you're in shame and guilt, you do not live the life God's called you to live. All right, here's another example. Maybe, maybe this is you. Example two, God says you are valuable, but you might feel that you're worthless or will never amount to much. A lot of people have low self-esteem. A lot of people don't feel valuable or special or worthy. So maybe that's you. Maybe you don't feel special or worthy or valuable but God says the opposite. He says you are valuable. Okay, so let's change, let's change the, 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 the sentence. I am. I am worthless. I am, uh, I am ordinary. I am, uh, you know, a nobody. Let's change that because God says something completely different. So I just gave you just a couple of verses to get started on this if this is you. 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people. Let's go back to middle school. This is easier for the guys, all right? It's time for recess, and we go outside, and there's a football, and we're picking teams, or it's gym time, and the gym teacher does the worst thing a gym teacher could ever do. He picks the two studs and says, you are a captain, and you're a captain, pick teams, and everybody else is standing there just like, oh, man, am I going to... Where am I going to be picked? You know, when am I going to be picked? And the worst thing possible in middle school is to be the last person picked. It's just terrible. 
And that, that, that says something to you that is completely a lie, as if your dodgeball ability or something is, is how much you are worth. But it doesn't matter. In that context, seventh grade, that's everything. It's just, it is what it is. Well, if you don't get over that, and you're still believing the lie, that because you couldn't catch a dodgeball, or you weren't coordinated in sports or something, that you're, you're a nobody. You're worthless, and you're at the end of the line. In fact, they didn't even want to pick you. If you're still living that out, man, I'm telling you what, it's time to change your mind. Because it has nothing to do with your value or your worth. Now, there's a thousand different scenarios of that for women, for men, for all of us growing up. We all felt those moments where we didn't measure up. We weren't good enough. Someone didn't choose us. We didn't get invited to the party. You know, our best friend um, stopped being our friend, and there's someone else's best friend. We've all had that, all of us, okay? But some of us had a little bit of help filtering those things out. If you had really good parents, or you had a really attentive parents or really good friend, a lot of you were blessed, didn't even know it. Those people helped you filter some of that crap out, never even got into your heart. And you had no idea how blessed you were to have those people in your life. Because there's other people, maybe didn't have that person in their life. Say, oh, come on, that's not true. You're amazing, I love you, come on, let's go. And it's gone, it's out, didn't stay, didn't grow, didn't become an issue. You hear me? And, and so this is what God says, you're chosen, God has chosen you. He picked you. And, and you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession. In fact, in the Old Testament, um, he calls us his treasured possession, which is his absolute favorite thing on the planet. And God can do this. And, and all mothers of multiple children can do this too, where every child is their absolute favorite. Right? And God does that too. He literally does that. He, you are his favorite. You are his treasured possession. And your brain should agree with what I'm saying because it will change your life. You, are God, you have been chosen by God, and you are his treasured possession. And he loves you. You are so valuable. We see that, you know, when, when we see Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And, and what we understand about value in our world is something is worth what someone will pay for it, right? So I used to collect baseball cards. And uh, when I was a little kid, you know, I went to these shows, these dealer shows and stuff, and I would talk with them, and me and my dad would look at the prices in the book. But people kept telling me, no, 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 no. You can't go off the price in the book. It's worth what someone will pay for it. It's only worth what someone will pay for it. It may say it's $250 in there, but, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to get $250. It's whatever someone is willing to pay for it. And so your worth, is, in a similar way, is what God was willing to pay for you. Right? And he paid his life for you. His son. This is how much I love you. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? You. Winning you back. For eternity. Now, you need to think about these things that I'm saying for it to really get into your heart. This is where I'm talking about, the meditation. We think about these, these things. I mutter these things to myself. When I'm working on a certain issue, if I see something in my heart, 
I find scriptures and I begin to memorize them and I begin to repeat them to myself and I begin to try to really grind right into the heart of my pain or my thinking and I try to get right after it and I tell myself to change my mind. I say, you are not rejected. You are loved. God loves me so much. He gave everything for me. What happened back here or what happened over there, what was said to me there, that has no bearing on me anymore because of what God says about me and how much God loves me. So I self-talk it out. I'm not a perfect person either. I'm just saying these are the tools that I have learned to try to incorporate to make change. Okay, hear what I'm saying? Meditate on my word day and night so that you'll be careful to do what's written in it then your way will be prosperous and successful. I want success. I don't know about you. I want prosperity. And so to do that, I need to change my mind with God's word. All right, another example. Um, let's see, example three. God says he is always with you, but you may feel rejected or lonely or betrayed. And you can read some verses in there that I put in there if that's you. But the idea of this one is that Jesus has made a great exchange for you and for me. When we read through these verses, we'll see Jesus took on our sin so we could have what? His righteousness. He took on our sicknesses and diseases so we could have what? Health and wholeness. He took on our rejection so that we could have a family with him. He was betrayed so that we wouldn't have to feel betrayed. You see, so that we would be uh, with him forever. He took our poor, our poorness, our poverty, so we could have his riches. He took our sorrow so we could have joy. Everything you can think of, you start to study what Jesus went through uh, at the cross, what he took upon himself, what the scriptures say, and he took those things from us so we could have what he has. That is stuff worthy of thinking about. It'll change your life. Another example, God says you are blessed and highly favored, but you may feel poor, left out, unnoticed, or flat out unlucky. A lot of people talk about luck. A lot of people feel unlucky. A lot of people are waiting for something lucky to happen. But I got something way better for you than luck. You are already blessed and highly favored. God is for you. He is with you. He has provided everything that you need for life and for godliness. Um, and so when I'm talking, you know, I'm, I'm speaking out of verses that I have already muttered to myself over and over again, right? Uh, things that I've memorized and I've worked on in my heart. So, for instance, um, Ephesians 1.3 is the verse that I just said. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So I put that in my own words. I just keep reminding myself, I am blessed with everything that I need, everything that I need, and, and however that works. I, I love this verse. I say it all the time, 2 Corinthians 1.20. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. I keep reminding myself, God has already said yes to every one of his promises, and I just need to say amen. My idea of amen is this right here. I need to hear the word and agree with it. So amen is a Hebrew word. 
Amen. It means I agree. It means I agree. It means I'm going to change my mind. If God is giving me this promise that he will always be with me, he will never forsake me, that sin is no longer the issue, he's paid for it, that he's with me, I'm in fellowship with God. Even when I screw up, I'm in fellowship with God because that sin is already paid for. God is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Then my mind has got to make a decision. Do I agree with God and say amen, or am I going to reject what God is saying and say, no, I'm going to keep punishing myself. I'm going to keep feeling bad. I'm going to feel like you're far off and you're mad at me. Although God doesn't say that. But that's what I'm going to feel. Because that's what I I deserve. That's what I think. Well, it's bad thinking. My dad will say it's stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. So amen means I agree. That means I am going to change my mind. I'm going to believe what God says. All of his promises are already yes for me. And I'm going to keep saying it and saying it until I believe it, until it gets in my heart, and then watch what happens. It's going to come out of my mouth. Oh, God's for me. God's got me. All of his promises are already yes and amen. He's for me. He's with me. He's not against me. And it starts coming out of your mouth. Uh-huh. You with me? Okay. Let me, uh, let me uh, just kind of skip through the, uh, a couple other examples. Example five would be, God says you're healed, but you might think that God doesn't heal or that healing is arbitrary. Well, that's bad thinking. You can read some of those verses there about all, all, and all who God healed. Jesus healed all who came to him. And uh, uh, example number six, God says that you are protected, but you might have fear or worry or anxiety, but you don't have to live with fear or worry or anxiety because God is protecting you. He is with you. And Psalm 91 would be a great psalm. If this is you, if you live with a lot of fear or anxiety or worry, Psalm 91 would be a great psalm for you to read and mutter and meditate on and change your mind. God is with you. He will protect you. He's for you. He's never sleeping or slumbering. He's never on vacation. He's with you all the time. And his angels are are assigned to protect you. Isn't that awesome? That's where that verse comes from, by the way, the angels. So that's pretty cool. And so um, I want to encourage you by kind of pivoting a little bit and actually preaching what Megan was preaching at the beginning of the service. So what God plants in us saves us. The Word of God planted in us begins to grow. It saves us. Everything else planted in us the hurt from the world, you know, the sin that we, we participate in, all of those other seeds that are planted, those things begin to choke the life out of us. They strangle us. They, they infect other people too. So there's two different things that are going on. One is God wants us to plant in our heart his word. Okay, James, she read it. Uh, Megan read this. James 1.21, or she referenced it. Get rid of all moral filth. Whatever's in our heart that is of pain or hurt or brokenness or darkness, whatever is not in alignment with God, there's two things here. One, we need to get that out. 
And number two, we need to get his in. It's, it's that simple. Whatever is trying to destroy you, I'm really excited about this. God wants to destroy. Whatever is trying to harm you, God wants to harm. Whatever is trying to take you out, God wants to take out. Okay? So we need to agree with this. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Saving is healing, deliverance, uh, prosperity. It's all of those things. It's not just forgiveness. It's healing. It's freedom. It's prosperity. It's success. The word planted in you will save you. The world's thinking planted in you will harm you. So the Bible says, get rid of that, put this in. It's that simple, but it's super powerful. Now, one last thing I want to challenge you to think about, and I'm hoping that you're thinking about I am. I am. Who are you? I am. I hope that you begin to just take one, just one simple truth away today, what God is saying to you of who you are. What is he saying? You might not even agree with it yet. But that's what I want you to do is walk away saying, hold on a minute. I am not alone. I am protected. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am God's treasured possession. Whatever it is, I want you to hear what God's saying to you today because that's whatever God's saying to you is what he's ready to do in you right now. And he'll continue this process as long as you are willing to listen and follow along because you will be blessed and, and made full. Now, one of the things that impact us a lot is the input that's coming in to our head uh, and through our ears. And so this, this, we, can't, we can't skirt around this issue. It's not just what you're saying to yourself, but what are the inputs coming? We have some toxic relationships and uh, we need to be very careful about those, and we need to stay away from having toxic relationships and input, okay? We also have a lot of other inputs. We, we watch a lot of things, TV, news, social media. We listen to a lot of things, and we're taking things in all the time. What I want to challenge you to do is make sure that your intake is more of this than of this world, more of this than of this world. And one of the most powerful ways you can do this is through music. Music is incredibly powerful. And I believe that God gave music to the church as a gift to help us remember his truths. And so I would like to challenge you, listen to Christian music. More important than that, listen to uh, you know, worship songs that are telling you who you are and who God is. And when I grew up in this church, we started this church in 1981. I still remember all the old songs. And I want to do a song with you guys. It's one of the most basic, uh, older songs that I can remember. But what I loved about most of our older songs is that they were almost verbatim from the Bible. And so we would sing these songs, and once in a while, you know, a song would get stuck in your head, and you're singing that song all day long. And, and so then it's on your mind, and you're muttering the song. And, you, 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 and what you're doing is you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. You are muttering his truth and his scriptures 
and it's affecting your attitude. I, I love a lot of the old songs. This is just one simple old song. I picked something simple because I haven't played the guitar in a long time, but I, I think I could do this one. I'm going to try. But um, it's out of Psalm 118, verse 24. And I want to explain it to you before because I never realized how powerful this song is. Um, I just thought it was just a, a feel-good kind of song. It is a verse out of the Bible. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. Uh, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, i got to just tell you a little bit before because I want you to sing this with me and sing it really loud so you can barely hear me. And I want you to appreciate what this song is all about. In the Bible, when I studied this, this is the day the Lord has made. In Greek, the, the phrase at the end of that sentence which says the Lord has made it is the exact same word that Jesus used on the cross when he said, it is finished. It is finished. And the psalmist is prophesying that one day the Lord would come and he would provide salvation and forgiveness and freedom for all of us. And it says in the psalm, in the context of, of this happening, and this is the day, and the Lord has done it. It is finished. Do I need to preach that again? So, thank you. So whatever you are thinking, the old thinking, I am rejected. I'm no good. I'm, not, I'm worthless. I, I can't do it. Whatever. Ah, da, 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 da. Listen to me. This is the day that the Lord has made, the day of salvation has come. Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can now say, I am loved. I am forgiven. I am a new creation. I have a future. I have a hope. I, God is with me. And whatever your sentence is, today is the day of salvation. This is not an emotional thing, though it is an emotional thing. God gave us emotions. We should get our emotions fired up for the right things. This is the day that God has done it for me. I have salvation. I have a new identity. I can be this new person. I can be free from this. So I want you guys to sing this song with me. You guys want to try it? All right. Thank you. That was awesome. Okay. <clears throat> la, 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 la. Let's try it. Let's stand up. Let's get fired up. And I don't know how to work this, so let me see. You guys remember this song? How many of you guys know this song? All right. I think I need to turn this on. Just give me a second here. Turn it on. That's a good thing. There we go. Good start, right? <laughs> All right. So my idea here is that uh, these songs and the songs that you want to be listening to. Oh boy, I got a mess up here. Oh, I'll just do it anyway. Are the songs that will help you, you know, remember who you are in God? Can you hear that? All right. Here we go. <laughs> This is the day, this is 
the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Hey, not bad. Let's try it. Let's try it again. And as we sing it one more time, uh, the worship team is evaluating me here to see if I can make it. So, no, but let's think about what God has done for you, whether you are quite there yet or not in your mind. We are by faith beginning to change our mind about whatever it is, and today I am. I want you to think about what that is right now, and as we sing this, like, yes, Lord, you have done this. This is who I am, and I'm choosing to believe in you, okay? All right. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Whoops. There we go. And that's why I don't lead worship. You guys, um, let's just give this to the Lord this morning and ask for Him to help us continue to become who He made us to be. And the, worship, the real worship team could come forward, please. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would love to have them rock us out with one of those songs that we started with. Um, but I want to pray for us this morning, okay? Because this is, a, this is a process. We've talked about this before. But it's not a, um, you know, a, a snap. It is a process of us beginning one thing at a time, seeing who God says that I am, and then working it in to our heart. So I just gave you several examples. If any of those trigger anything in you, this is how I, I would like to have you, uh, you know, take away. Look at the verses I gave you and begin to look for more verses, and this is what I would do. I would read them over and over again. Then I would start to put them in my own words and then I would begin to just catch phrase different parts of that and say those to myself over and over again throughout the day. This is who I am. I am loved. I am not rejected. I, God is with me. He is for me. Thank you, God. Then you turn into a prayer. Thank you, God, you're with me right now. And, and, and I'm struggling, but I know that you're with me and you're for me. And you begin to just mutter a new truth to yourself, and it will begin to change your heart. So I want us to be good mutterers. Not bad mutterers, okay? We are all mutterers. We might as well be good at it. You know what I mean? Might as well be good at it. So again, I want to pray a similar prayer last, last week where uh, in Hebrews it says, um, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, uh, that great shepherd of the uh, sheep, Jesus, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus to whom be glory forever and ever amen I love this blessing I want to pray this prayer over you that God would work in you everything that's pleasing to him how beautiful is that I have a heart I can't change my heart on my own you can't change your heart on your own but may God 
work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, and he will. And may God equip you with everything good for doing his will, and he will. You see God in this, God is equipping, and God is working in you. And our posture is an open heart. It's a surrendered heart. It's a willingness to listen and by faith, you know, take that, that step of faith. Even when we don't really believe it at first, we are choosing, we're working through this process of saying amen. We're getting to that point, we have to, where we say, okay, God, I, okay, I agree. And, and you might have to say that, I agree, a hundred times the first day because your brain is still saying, no, you don't. No, 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 yes, I do, I agree. No, you don't. Yes, I do, I agree. And maybe the next day you only have to say it 99 times. But eventually, you'll believe it. When you believe it, it transforms your heart. And your life is changed. And you're on your way to success and prosperity. Because you're aligning with God's blessed, eternal, perfect, soul-reviving word. That's for you, not against you. Remember, the Bible is not a religious book telling you what to do and not to do. It is a life book that God has written for you to prosper and be successful. Lord God, we come to you this morning. Thank you for the ability to gather together this morning. Thank you for giving us good tires and all those people that clean the roads for us. Thank you for the blessing of freedom that we can have to gather in this place together. Thank you for your word that has been preserved for us, that we can read, we can speak, we can study, we can memorize. Thank you for one another, everyone that was able to make it here today. Lord, thank you for the blessing each person is here, just their presence. Each one of us, Lord, you have given us a word or a a song or a hymn or an idea to encourage one another. May every one of those things happen this morning, even as we exit. May we all be built up and encouraged. And Lord, I pray that right now in Jesus' name, that you help change our minds in accordance with who you know we are in Christ Jesus, not who we've been labeled or how we've labeled ourselves. And so today, Lord, I pray for that prayer uh, for all of us. God, that you would equip us with everything good for doing your will, and God, would you work in us deep into our heart and our soul what is pleasing to you. Would you help us see the pain or the hurts that need to be pulled out, uprooted, any offense, any, any wrong thinking, Lord, that has shackled us, uh, stymied us, pressed us down, kept us in a corner. Help us, Lord. Show us, Holy Spirit. Show us how we can be free. And Lord, that you would give us your words of life that save us, that heal us, that redeem us. Give us the courage that we need to obey some of those words of wisdom, like to forgive. That's hard. Help us, Lord, to forgive. Help us, Lord, to prefer others. Help us to love others like you've loved us. Help us to put your word into practice that we might prosper and be successful. Lord, may you tilt the muttering scales in our favor. Would you help us, Lord, to stay focused on you and your goodness and your glory and your blessings. And may we truly be a fountain of blessing to those around us, not a fountain of cursing, of death, of hurt, but a 
a fountain coming out of, of the, the river of living water in us, the Holy Spirit, that would give words of hope, kindness, wisdom, love, acceptance, peace, and joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This morning, God, we just, before we go, we just want to say how much we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord. We just dedicate our lives to you today. We celebrate your love and your salvation for us. How much we are loved. How much we are loved. Help us to walk and, and live and have our, our being in your love this week. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Can you, what song are you guys going to sing? A new one? Okay. You guys want to sing one more song here before we go? And uh, we have prayer teams available as well. If you'd like prayer for anything, just please come and, and get that prayer. And God bless you. Uh, let me bless you now before I forget, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you give you his peace in his name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.